Welcome to another episode of Cork Out History. Where we drink Portuguese wine. And we talk about Portuguese history. Mostly the wine. My name is André. And I'm Inês. And welcome to Cork Out History. Well, well, well. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cork Out History. And today we're going to be talking about Antonio Rodrigues. Yes, but first, what are we drinking? So today we are drinking Papa Figos. Yup. Papa Figos is a Portuguese wine from Douro. Douro is a region from the river Douro. It's a river up in the north of the country. Papa Figos is the name of a bird. I don't know what the name of the bird is in English, Ines. Do you have any idea? I have no idea, no. But uh, we can translate it by <laughs> something that it's figs, I guess. Yeah, it's a little bird that it's figs. Uh, I don't know, but the wine is just lovely. <laughs> it's just lovely. We are drinking a 2019 wine, and uh, yeah, Papa Figos is very, is quite, I think it's quite well known in Portugal, isn't it? It's yeah. quite famous in Portugal. Yeah, it is. It's, it's from just a, lovely. It's from a very well known brand farm of wines how do you call like a how do you call a vineyard vineyard like a wine producer yes a wine producer that's it it's from a very famous wine producer up in the north so yeah so yes we are treating ourselves nicely yeah for our comeback because it has actually been um a little bit longer than we anticipated but life got in the middle yes we are going to talk about antonio today and we are taking a trip back to the 16th, 17th century in Portugal. So we've decided that this season would be all about um, extraordinary lives of women in Portugal, or at least Portuguese, and Antonia is going to be the first of those characters that we're going to be bringing center stage here. All right, so let's dive right in, shall we? Antonia is one of those characters that's present in everyone's imagination that we grew up hearing stories about. She's a girl, unhappy with her situation, who dons on some meds clothing and jets off on a boat to have some sword fighting. Because why not? So Antonia was born in Aveiro and until 2020 we thought that she had been born around 1580. But this year, 2020... The historian Francisco Messias found her birth certificate. This year? Not this year. <laughs> I know, it's not. What? <laughs> I tried to fix that along the way, but I couldn't. <laughs> this year? Are you, like, still living pre-COVID? Is that yeah, like, I think that's what's it. What's going on here? I think like, that's it. 2020. So, two years ago. <laughs> so, yes, it wasn't two years ago. Um... But two years ago, Francisco Messias, an historian, found her birth certificate and it actually marks her birthday as the 5th of January 1572, so a little before what we thought she had been born on. Yeah, so from what I could gather, in terms of sources, everything written seems to stem from a book contemporary to Antonia, written by Duarte Nunes de Leon, published in 1610, where he tells her story. That's pretty cool. We have a book that's contemporary of her. That's that's not what usually happens. I know. Usually we're reading everything like 200 years after the fact, if we're lucky. So yeah, it's, it's great to finally have something that's contemporary. Then we have around a hundred years after that, we have her story again in another book dedicated to the king Don Juan Quinto, which is Don Juan V. And the one I have a soft spot for. 
Exactly, you know the the our rich king who uh, who owned an empire and had all the gold and the bling and everything. <laughs> so, uh, in a book dedicated to him, we have her story um, again. But yeah, in this passage is much more brief than the previous one, and the writer refers Duarte Nunes and his book, which clearly indicates it to be the source. So. There doesn't seem to be anything else. He's just um, referring to the book written by Duarte Nunes. There are a couple more references during the 19th century, but no further details are added. So this seems to indicate that everything is based on uh, the account of Duarte Nunes. Other than these ones, we have the official document where the king distinguishes her uh, later on. We will talk about it later. And now we have her birth certificate as well. Cool. So we have a bit about her, and uh, even better, we have things that are contemporary to her, which is great. Yeah. 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 We. I feel like we don't have a lot. So, but honestly, when we're looking at women in this t- at this time, and she was, you know, um, a plebeian as well. So we are. We already have something to go on about. <laughs> yeah. We have more than usual. Yep, so that's cool. And we know that Antonia was born to a couple in Aveiro. Aveiro is a coastal city uh, up in the north, center north coast, west coast. Well, there's only the west coast in Portugal. Oh no, there's not. We have a coast <laughs> down below. Anyway, the west coast, <laughs> the Atlantic coast of... Well, it's all Atlantic. Well, never mind me, but... Aveiro is a lovely coastal city. It has amazing beaches and it's really nice. And again, we need our break for all our touristic drums. Yeah. Aveiro is lovely. Please come to Aveiro. Go. You'll have an amazing day there. They have amazing cuisine as well. Mm-hmm. And you'll have a blast. Oh, you're a fan of the Ovesmalls, isn't it? Book your trip. <laughs> yes, Ovsmalls is a, is a, an absolute delicacy and it's wonderful. Yeah. And so, but anyway, they have, they have yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, book your flights. But Bo- <laughs> let's go on. <laughs> anyway, this uh, region, uh, this city now, a city is in a broad lagoon area, and it wasn't so lovely at the time. And the reality of Antonia is probably very harsh. Around the end of the 16th century, natural changes took place there and the connection between that lagoon and the sea changed and that have had a huge economic impact, rendering the port useless and that, of course, affected everything there. Only in the 19th century would construction start to solve the issues created then, but at the time, like many in the region, Antonio's father was just a fisherman and life wasn't easy, as we said, so they had no other choice than to send Antonia to Lisbon to the household of a married sister. Yes, and guess what? Antonia absolutely hated it there. Seems like the couple was harsh with her and... You know, she didn't want to do anything of what they told her to, which tends to create some issues in, you know, the best households imagined there. This went on for a little while until Antonia, a young lady of 12 years old, decided enough was enough. I mean, I could take a page of her book. God knows I struggle with this sometimes. So what does she do? She bought some clothes like the sailor boys wore, 
chopped her hair, and off she went to convince the master of some merchant ship to take her on board. Which she did, and she got accepted in a ship carrying wheat and headed to Mazagal. Mazagal is modern days El Jadida in Morocco, northern Africa, but at the time it was part of the Portuguese colonial possessions. Yeah, so basically it was part of the Portuguese empire at the time, right? Yeah. Upon arrival, Antonia, who now went by Antonio rather than Antonia, uh, this is the easiest way to just translate a feminine name into a masculine name, so Antonia becomes Antonio, and that's um, how it works in Portuguese. She now went by Antonio, and she went straight to the captain to write out the master of the ship over some dodgy business he had been up to with the wheat. I think he was probably just stealing some. Anyway, the captain appreciated this, but he knew that sending, you know, Antonia as the little rat that she was back to the sea with the ratted out master of the ship was a sure way to have Antonia becoming fish food. Snitches get stitches, boy! So instead, he decided to move the perceptive and honest Antonio onto the military. As one does, you know. Antonia learned her ways around weapons and the guys, and she was freaking awesome, it seems. Seriously, this is a legit quote. That's from not a legit news. quote, he Freak- <laughs> <laughs> It's not. What, you doubt me? I swear to God, he said, like, freaking awesome. Uh, yeah, sure, right in English and all. In 17th century. Yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, he didn't quite say it in as many words. Well, actually, he said it in a lot more words, <laughs> but that's, at the end of the day, that's the meaning. He goes on and on about it, and he says something like, she got so good so quickly, nobody could win against her. She was so good. It's like she's been doing this her whole life. She was so good. She was so cool. Everyone loved her and wanted to be her friend. That's a lot of love. Calm down. (laughs) Yeah, calm down. We get it. He also mentions that Antonia usually took the night shifts, and again, she was so good. Yes, we get it. So, you see, I mean, freaking awesome really is an understatement here. Yeah, I don't know why. It's it's funny that he mentions the night shifts thing, isn't it? Like, why would that be a thing yeah, of importance well, to mention? Just because, are they, just because they're harder? Is that what he's trying to imply? Well, I don't know. He seems like he had um, some information at the time that like she distinguished herself in these ones. So he mentioned something like in these night shifts, like the... Um, the enemy was trying to steal from the fields and she was right. uh, going against them so, and she was preventing this and she really right, stood right. out and she so managed just, to stop everything yeah. and blah, 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 blah. So it just makes her more heroic because those shifts are harder yeah, and those are I more guess. perilous and, and everything. So she's just... Yeah, 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 you know, she's going out of her way. Yeah. She's standing out. She's not just going through the motion. She's, yeah. she's really good at it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she hang out with the boys and she slept in the same quarters, but she always kept her clothes on. Again, this is details that he gives us, so it's not like I'm making this up. <laughs> Clearly, nobody there was as perceptive as she was because no one, nobody ever seems to have suspected anything. But mm. there you go. She managed to go like this for a couple of years. Uh, so after a year, seeing that she stood out so much, she was actually knighted, and by all accounts, she did very well for herself in the battlefield. 
and it's also worth mentioning that by this time the wars with the Moors in the peninsula had already come to an end and with the full conquest by the Christian powers of the north that we talked so much about in the last season and the kingdom of Portugal had now expanded beyond its borders and looking for lands further and further was across the sea in Africa where this fight continues. Yeah. And uh, obviously, like uh, just a little while back, you mentioned that she was actually out of Portugal fighting uh, the wars. It, it, it's just worth remembering that at this time, this was considered Portugal. Yeah, so true. even mm -hmm. though obviously it's not modern day and it was obviously away from the continent, like mm -hmm. it's away from mm -hmm. the peninsula. So it was a different place and the wars were carrying on there. But she, yeah, it's not like she was abroad per se yeah, she yeah, had gone not. she was mm -hmm. still in some sort of portugal yeah, yeah. it was just kind of it thing. was just overseas yeah uh so it was there that she really made an, a name for herself uh, fighting the moors mm -hmm. and she became actually one of the best knights as we said by all accounts and she was adored by christians feared by the moors <laughs> because she was apparently very deadly in the battlefield but because she was also behind many incursions into the Moorish lands to steal food and supplies, so she was basically owning it all. Exactly. So she was fighting everywhere. She was, you know, nailing it. She was just awesome. Again, we get it, Duarte Nunes. We get it. <laughs> yeah, and having been knighted, she was now also running in upper circles than where she started. And before you know it, all the ladies were sighing over her and courting and flirting <laughs> and this culminated actually in the daughter of one of the high officials g getting crazy in love with him <laughs> yes she was convinced it was a him so she was under the impression that she was deeply in love with the brave knight antonio but um, not true well <laughs> um, not quite not no. quite Apparently, uh, one of the 19th century sources that we said that also talks about her says that although the original text by Duarte Nunes does not tell us who this lady was, this 19th century guy says that it was Dona Beatriz de Mendoza. I don't know who she is, but apparently she, but she probably is famous. So they decided to uh, not include her identity on the first account. Yeah, what he says is that Duarte Nunes had not mentioned her and her family to spare them the embarrassment of having, you know, the lady falling for another lady. So he didn't mention any of this. He just mentioned the story, but he didn't give any names. So, yeah, it seems her father wanted to grant his daughter's wishes and wanted to marry her. But this put Antonia in a, a new position and she was a bit at a loss yeah, and not A bit knowing. of a tight place, isn't it? Yeah, she didn't really know how to refuse. So she actually decided to come clean. Yeah, because we need to understand that it's like these were quite high nobility there and she was a knight. So for any knight, this would have been a very good marriage and... A lower knight like denying the like why why would Antonio not accept it there was no plausible explanation for that and actually it would be a little bit of a of an issue really mm -hmm. going forward so 
you know, in a little bit of a tight spot. There you go. Decided to come clean. Shock. <gasps> so she decided to went to the priest and confess that uh, what she had been up to for the last five years. Now that's something. Yeah, clasp my pearls. This could have gone like incredibly not well for her. Yeah, it could have gone really wrong for her. Like women were not supposed to obviously do anything like this, much less fool everyone around them, much less even like wear. It, it, it became an issue from the moment that she was wearing men's clothes. Mm -hmm. So just think of everything that went on over that. Yeah. So she fooled everyone. Not only did she fool everyone, she was really good at it. And you can just see very well this, you know, going all in the wrong direction. But it didn't! <laughs> so yay! You know, things are working out for a lady in the 17th century. Who would have guessed? Um, so, yeah, everything went really quite smoothly. There were no hard feelings from either the ladies or the gentlemen, surprisingly enough. And Antonia was even more popular than before. It seems that then she planned to return back to Portugal, but, but nobody there was having none of that. And so she stayed until she eventually got married with another knight returning to Portugal after that. So you're telling me that there are no hard feelings, but then you're telling me also that nobody was having none of that. Why is that? Yeah, no one wanted... They all loved her. So the ladies oh, so they wanted, loved her. So they wanted her, her to stay. Fighting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, right, the, right, right, right. We have to make very clear that she stopped fighting, she stopped being a soldier. But she was she she stayed living there for a little while longer. Now now as a uh, woman. Everyone loved her. Now as a woman, yes. Yeah. She was super popular, so you know, all the um, soldiers she had fought with, she was this big thing. And the ladies were just marveling at how cool she was, I guess. Right. Um, yeah. We get a little bit of that like vibe that Duarte Nunes was uh, right, right, right. That Duarte Nunes had before. Yeah. Okay. So then she eventually returns married, as you said, with another knight, and she returns to Portugal. And I, we know that the king himself wanted to meet this lady knight, and uh, she was given pensions and honors by King Philip the uh, Second. And and her son was actually taken to serve in the courts, if I remember that correctly, Nish, as a chamberlain, which is a big deal, yeah. isn't it? A big deal, yes. Yeah. So there's there's there are official documents that, that uh, prove that she received several honors, so she was really welcomed even when she got back, yeah. Uh, yeah, and for instance, the, the, it's such a big deal, uh, again, we have to rem to remember that she was knighted, but that was as a man, so I can't imagine that cross that over to no, 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 yeah. After everyone realized yeah. she was a lady, so she wasn't again. She wasn't even nobility. She wasn't even she was she was a plebeian who had fooled everyone. And uh, yeah, but I guess you know the story was so big that it reached the king, and they decided it was a cool thing. I guess. So took the kid for Chamberlain. I I mean, never ceases to amaze me. 
Yeah. I did come across some references that indicate that Antonia joined the court in Madrid and returned to Portugal after the death of the King Philip II. However, I wasn't able to find the original sources for such claims. Similarly, I found a reference to her death being on 1641 or 42, but once again, where these dates were originally mentioned is beyond me, so I'm not sure. Most records refer that after the honors given by the king, not much else is known about her life or death. When the book of Duarte Nunes, our main source, was written, she was still alive and a lady of much spirit of about 35 years of age. So I do think Duarte Nunes had a thing for her, really. And I think it's worth mentioning, we, we have decided we picked s stories of all these different women during our history. But for instance, this one is a, a very particular story that is only a story about herself. It's hardly relevant to the state of Portugal or women or what they could or could not do at the time. This was not the case for other women that's why this is such a outstanding story yeah um, yeah yeah i don't know i don't know if i'm I, if i'm explaining it very well but it's just yeah it, this is the story of antonia and it's uh, uh, outstanding and it doesn't really show us yeah it, it doesn't change anything what was about, the situation for yeah. women and in portugal at the time i guess yeah it's just a, a bit of a picturesque um, story, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, it's a very unique story. It's by no means the story of women in the 17th century. That's what I mean to say, I no, guess. No, it's not at all. And now I was just going to comment that, like, we didn't really care that much to be careful using her pronouns or to decide when we were calling her Antonia or Antonia because that's not that's not a question here. Like, that's not a matter. She's, she's just a woman that cross-dresses as a man to perform this activity that was not allowed to her but it's not someone that was trying to um, be uh, she was not a transgender person she was not trying to like live as a man yeah we have we have absolutely no indication that this was in any way related to gender identity it seems to have been a case of Really, she wanted to do that, and so she did. There was no option for her to do it as a woman, so she, yeah, just, you know, put on some men's clothes and did it. No, but it's, it's the amazing thing is that she did it, <laughs> and she, she, yeah. Yeah, she did and it she really well. she was 12 when she did it. Yeah, I know, I know. What were you doing when you were 12 in it? <laughs> <laughs> well, probably reading stories of people doing this kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that, that was the life of Antonia. You can find all the bibliography that we used, uh, all the references, everything will be available on the description of the episode and we will also put it on our social media. So go there, check it out. Leave us a like. We need it. We <laughs> yeah. desperately need it. Please. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, go find us and like our pictures. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll see you on the next episode. Stay tuned. And this is where we'll stop for now. Stick with us and join us in the next episode of Corkout History in two weeks. Until then, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Corkout History Pod and on Twitter at Corkout History, where you can reach out to us, let us know your thoughts, and discover more about the upcoming episodes. Don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us.
Your comments are crucial so that more people can find us. Bye! Bye. Bye.